The following message is brought to you by Morgan Hill Bible Church. For all things MHBC, connect with us on social media and check us out online at mhbible.org. You have your Bibles and brought them with you this morning. Open them up to the book of Proverbs. Proverbs, and you can start in chapter three this morning. Proverbs chapter three. We are starting a new series um, that we'll be doing for about the next month and a half or so, looking at different themes throughout the book of Proverbs. It is one of my favorite books in the Bible. It's so practical and easy at times to apply to life. If you're new to the Bible, Proverbs is kind of right in the middle. If you find Psalms, just flip over a few more pages and you'll find the book of, of Proverbs. Well, we live in our world in an information age. Literally is what often people will call this time of life in human history, an information age. Do you remember back in the day? I remember when I was in elementary school, when you wanted to learn something or know something, you like had to physically leave your house and go someplace where knowledge existed. Right. I remember when we were writing research papers and I was in elementary school, we had like a weekly trip to the library because there were things housed at the library that we didn't have at school and you had to go somewhere else to get information. I remember in the mid-90s how cool it was when Encyclopedia Britannica came out on CDs. I was like, yeah, you have like the CD version of the encyclopedia. You were like, this is cutting edge. Nothing could beat this. And then the internet came along and you're like, okay, this is much better, right? And now every single one of us, if you have something like this, has access and one touch real quick to any information you could ever hope to find, right? There is more information contained on your phone than you will ever hope to consume or understand in your lifetime. We live in an information world. Our world has never been more filled with information, but perhaps at the same time, we have also never been filled with such little wisdom. Our world is filled with things to know, information, knowledge that you can have, but it lacks wisdom extraordinarily. See, wisdom is not just knowledge, but wisdom is this ability to take truth and move it from our heads and into our lives and actually lived out into the world, right? And there's this difference between being an intelligent person and being a wise person. Sometimes we would phrase it as there's a difference between being book smart and being street smart, right? There's lots of other funny examples that I came across this week as I was reading and just looking online at the difference between knowledge and wisdom. I liked a few of them in particular. One said this, knowledge is knowing that a tomato is a fruit, Wisdom is not putting that tomato in a fruit salad, right? That's wisdom, right? Or I like this one. Knowledge is observing your wife got a haircut and realizing it doesn't look as good as it did before. Wisdom is keeping your mouth shut and not saying anything, right? I'm like, yeah, I need to do that more, I think, right? Like there's a difference between knowing something and applying that and using wisdom in our lives. And this theme of wisdom is this overarching theme of the book of 
Proverbs. And we're going to spend the next month and a half or so diving into different themes and walking through. But there's no way that in just a month and a half or so, we'll be able to get through everything that's contained by any means in the book of Proverbs. And so if you're someone who likes to, to study along with what we're going through in church, I'd encourage you on the worship guide today, um, if you use the Bible app on your phone, there's a little QR code and you can follow our church on there. And we'll, we have a recommended devotional that you can do at home on your own time through Proverbs. And we'll update it again in a few weeks. And if you follow us on there, you'll get that. And you'll be like, oh, awesome. Here's another resource for me to use to help study and dive deeper into the book of Proverbs. If you're someone who's old school and likes just using your Bible like this, and maybe a good discipline is if we study this together is just to read one chapter of Proverbs a day for the next six weeks as we walk through this. It'll take you literally less than two or three minutes of your day, but to dive deeper into God's word as we, as we think about what it looks like for each of us to grow into wisdom as God would have us. Well, there's kind of several themes throughout the book of wisdom I'm gonna try and bring together for us this morning as we start this framework in the book of Proverbs. And the first is this, as we think of wisdom, is this, is that wisdom is of great value. The Bible and the book of Proverbs speak of wisdom as of being of great value. It's a huge thing in our lives that we should desire, that we should need in our lives. And Proverbs chapter 3, starting at verse 13, highlights this. It says this, Blessed is the one who finds wisdom and the one who gets understanding. For the gain from her is better than gain from silver and her profit better than gold. She is more precious than jewels, and nothing you desire can compare with her. Long life is in her right hand. In her left hand are riches and honor. Her ways are of pleasantness, and all her paths are peace. She is a tree of life to those who lay hold of her. Those who hold her fast are called blessed. I love these images of why we need to hang on to wisdom, of why we should pursue wisdom in our lives. It's better than gain from silver, better profit than gold, more precious than jewels. What the author is doing is taking the things of highest value in their world and saying, wisdom is still better than this. That wisdom accumulated and put into practice in our lives will have a huge, huge impact. It is of great value. See, the value we place on wisdom in our lives is seen by the urgency that we feel in our lives to attain it. See, if you say you value something, yet there's no urgency in your life to actually get it, the reality is you don't value it. And as the Proverbs speak of this value, it also highlights this urgency for every single person to grow in wisdom in our lives. I love in Proverbs chapter four, starting at verse seven, it says this, the beginning of wisdom is this, get wisdom and whatever you get, get insight. Prize her highly and she will exalt you. She will honor you if you embrace her. She will place on your head a graceful garland. She will bestow on you a beautiful crown. The, the, the author here is doing this urgency behind wisdom. I love it. He's like, the, the key to wisdom, the start of it is this, to realize you need it. 
to get it, to, to place such a value. It's saying, hey, th- this is something that I desperately need in my life, that it is such a value that if I don't grow in wisdom, my life will be so severely impacted for the negative that I need to place a value, that I have to have this wisdom that is contained in God's word. I desperately need to grow in it. See, our world as a whole, though, doesn't value wisdom the way God's word does. It doesn't value wisdom the way our world does. I, I would say that, that if, you, if you would go to a college campus, say just up to San Jose State or something, and you were to interview people and you would find a college kid and say, hey, what would you rather have today? A million dollars or wisdom? Almost all of them are like, I want the million dollars, please. Thank you. And it would be fascinating to see and to start to go down. I, I just wonder, like, how low would people have to go before they would take wisdom? A thousand dollars? A hundred dollars? Because we think, oh, money, that's a value. That will change my life. And not recognizing the intrinsic value that wisdom actually has that would exponentially do each and every one of us better than any physical wealth could ever bring. See, there's an irony here because that sort of question is exactly what was proposed to the author of the book of Proverbs to King Solomon. In 1 Kings chapter 3, God appeared to him in a dream and said, what do you want? What do you want, Solomon? Ask and I will give it to you. And Solomon replied, above all things, I need wisdom and insight into how to rule and how to reign. I need wisdom from God. And God granted it to him. And this book contains this wisdom from Solomon that is conveyed to us that God gave him. But notice that Solomon was wise enough before God gave him this wisdom. He was wise enough to know this. I need wisdom. I desperately need it. And for some of us, the foundation of wisdom in our lives is just to recognize like, hey, I truly need to grow. I need to value what God's word has for me more than what I do right now. And in the book of Proverbs, there's this urgency behind growing in wisdom because there's a general theme is that wisdom is what leads to life. Wisdom leads to life. We saw there in chapter three that she is a tree of life to those who lay hold of her. In verse 16, long life is in her right hand. And when the Proverbs talk about life and long life and full life and the tree of life, it's not just saying that, hey, if you put this into practice, instead of dying at 70, you'll live to 80. It's not just saying that you'll have more in this life, but what he's talking about is this life under God that brings wholeness and blessing and ultimately wisdom leads to eternal life because it aligns us rightly in relationship with God. He's saying, if you want your life to be aligned right with God, not just for the better part of now, but for all of eternity, if you want true life, then learn wisdom and learn to practice it in your life. And so wisdom is of great value, and we all desperately need it. The second thing as you look throughout the book of Proverbs is this, is that wisdom comes from many sources. Wisdom comes from many sources. For all of us, there are many different ways that we can learn and we can grow into wisdom. And Proverbs highlights this. And this, I'm pulling this from the scholar Tremper Longman in his commentary on Proverbs. He highlights these four different categories of wisdom and the sources in which it comes from that we have and can grow in. The first is this. The first source of wisdom is observation and experience. 
The first source of wisdom we see in Proverbs is observation and experience. Observation, reflection on yourself and reflection on the world around you. By having eyes attuned to what is happening and learning from it, one can grow in wisdom. I love how so often in the book of Proverbs, what he does is he takes menial everyday things that all of us see around us, but he highlights the lessons that we could get in wisdom if we just stopped and looked and observed the things around us. In Proverbs chapter 6, He addresses someone who's lazy. The Bible calls that person a sluggard, which is such a great word. And what what does he say to, to this lazy person? How are they to grow? He says this, would you consider with me the ant? Consider the ant. He's like, if you would just stop all of your looking around and just look at the bugs on the ground, you could actually learn wisdom in your life. Right? It's observing the world around us and how it works and applying those lessons to our life. That's why so often when he talks about the words that we use, he'll, he'll compare them, the Proverbs will, to a flame or fire and the damage or the benefit that can come from them. And he say, if you would just observe how fire works, you would observe how your words have a similar impact on people. That's why when talking about relationships, he talks about this multi-stranded cord, this strong rope. And he's like, if you would just look at this piece of rope, you would get that when people are tied together, when they're not just standing by themselves, they're actually stronger. And he's, he's encouraging us to observe the world around us. Observation and experience. Experience as well, because in the Proverbs, wisdom is generally tied to age. And in our life as well, in this time, wisdom is generally something that is tied to age. It's, it's true that if you look through the Proverbs, it's often and always a father giving instruction to his son. It's not the son teaching the father. Now, there's an irony here this morning because my dad's here today. But, you know, so, so it's always, though, a father teaching his son, this principle of the older teaching the younger. Now, if, if we were to sit down over coffee today, And I were to ask you this question, think of in your relationships with people, who is the wisest person you know? Like, man, this person has wisdom. Like I would go to them, like they have just such such a wise sense about them. I would guess that for almost all of us, it's probably not someone in their 20s or 30s. It's probably someone who's lived longer, who has a breadth of experience and has learned from it and can pass it on to us. And there's not that people in their 20s and 30s don't possess any wisdom. I'm in my 30s. I hope I possess some of it, but that it grows with your experience in life and learning from it. And so there's this observation and experience that wisdom comes from in our lives. The second theme throughout is this, is that wisdom comes from instruction based on tradition. Instruction based on tradition. And this is kind of picking up on this theme of experience again, this learning that's based on tradition that has been passed down to others. In Proverbs chapter 4, the the author takes the posture of a father and he says, I will teach to you, my son, what I also learned from my father. 
And he's saying this, that there is this, this thing about good wisdom that comes, that we learn it because the generations before us who have walked with God and know what that looks like have passed it on to us. And it's now our responsibility, and this is a heavy burden for those of us who are parents. It's now our responsibility to do all we can to taste this wise thing that we've heard and received and do what we can to pass this on to those who will come after us, to pass this tradition of wisdom and what it looks like to live well under God on to those who come after us. And for those of us who find ourselves on the younger side of life, not that in any conversation, but those of us who are younger, we need to recognize our need to learn from those who have received this, this tradition of wisdom and have grown in experience and learn from it. See, a trait of a wise person, especially a wise younger person, is, you can think of it as this, the, the amount and the type of questions that someone asks. A wise person, especially a wise younger person, asks and listens a lot more than they talk and share their own opinions. Just think about it, in your conversations, especially in conversations with someone who is older than you, do you do more of the talking and the sharing or are you asking good questions and learning to listen to others? A wise person sees everyone else, especially those who are older, as a source of wisdom from which they need to learn and grow. And so wisdom is this tradition that is passed on of what it looks like to honor and to live for God that is passed on from one generation to the next. And it's the responsibility of those who are younger to learn and to listen to those who have gone before. The third source of wisdom in the book of Proverbs is this, learning from mistakes. Learning from mistakes. And his wording here, I'm sure, is intentional. Not, wisdom does not come from making mistakes. All of us make mistakes. Wisdom comes from learning from mistakes. There are some people who make the same mistakes now that they made 50 years ago, and they're still in the same mistake. A wise person makes a mistake, learns from it, and grows from it. And in the Proverbs, this, this understanding, this ability to learn from mistakes is so often tied to the ability to receive discipline and correction from other people. This ability to receive correction from others and to apply it to our lives to learn from it. Proverbs chapter 12, verse one says this, whoever loves discipline loves knowledge, but he who hates reproof is stupid. The way of a fool is right in his own eyes, but a wise man listens to advice. Perhaps the best, the best question you can ask yourself, and if you're growing in wisdom, is this, what do I do when I'm confronted with truth? What do I do when I am confronted with some truth about myself? It's perhaps the best test of wisdom. Because there's, there's kind of, in the Bible, there's two different categories when it comes to wisdom. There's the wise person, but then there's also the fool and the foolish person. And the wise person responds to correction, to the truth coming to them in one way, and a fool completely opposite. A wise person, if you were to bring truth to them, to bring correction, to bring reproof, to bring discipline to them, a wise person first will listen. A wise person will listen to correction. They will want to know the opinion of others. They will want to hear from someone else on, on what they think about them. The next thing that a wise person will do after listening to correction is they will change themselves. They will identify where something was wrong with them, with their behavior, with their words, with their actions, 
And a wise person upon hearing correction and reproof will desire not to change someone else, but say, no, I need to change myself. There's something here in which I can grow. And then a wise person after hearing this, after listening, after deciding they need to change themselves, will thank you for sharing with them. All right, a wise person upon hearing correction will actually thank you. Thank you for taking the time. Thank you for observing that and being able to share that with me. Thank you for correcting me. The opposite of a wise person in the Bible is a fool. What does a fool do when they receive correction? When someone tries to correct them, well, first, instead of listening, they will reject. They will push back. They will rationalize away. Instead of changing themselves, they will try and change the truth that was presented to them. So when a fool is is being corrected and someone's giving some advice to a fool, you'll hear things like this. Well, it wasn't really that bad. It actually wasn't that big of a deal. Well, actually, from my perspective, and we will try, a fool rationalizes their behavior, rationalizes their perspective, and will try and change the truth rather than change themselves. And then lastly, when you try and correct someone who's a fool, what do they do to you? They shoot the messenger, right? A wise person will thank you for sharing. A foolish person will shoot the messenger. They'll yell at you. They'll belittle you for having the audacity to share something with them. Proverbs chapter nine highlights this. It says this, do not reprove a scoffer or he will hate you. Reprove a wise man and he will love you. Give instruction to a wise man and he will be still wiser. Teach a righteous man and he will increase in learning. There needs to be warning signs in our heads if when we receive correction, our first response is to externalize, to minimize, to push off the truth that is coming to us. See, the reality is in every conversation you have and every time someone corrects you or gives you feedback or criticism or whatever words you want to use, there's always a reality, always at least some truth behind what they have to share. And the wise person will always listen to it regardless of who it comes from or how it is given. So I was thinking about this point this last week. I I was reminded of myself early on, um, well over 10 years ago, when I was a young youth pastor. And I had a, a girl, a student of mine come, I think she was 14, a freshman in high school, come to me after the youth group lesson on Sunday. I was like, that's great. I'm an awesome youth pastor. Here she comes. And she shows to me and she goes, hey, Michael. I was like, yeah, how's it going? And she's like, hey, did you know that during your little lesson today, you stuttered and said the word right 55 times? And I just want to be like, do you know I want to slap you right now? Like, what, what the world? Right? But I was like, all right, don't be, don't be that pastor. I was like, thank you for sharing, right? In my head, I'm like, no, thank you. Like, you're a jerk. Why would you share that? Like, and so I, whatever, she, she's fine and she goes her way. And then I remember getting in the car with Kristen afterwards. And I was like, get this, Kristen. The audacity this 14-year-old girl has to come to me and try and tell me how to be a pastor. She probably can't even get up a presentation. I speak in front of hundreds of people. The audacity she would have to correct me, to tell me how many times. And Kristen sitting next to me in the car goes, well, she's not wrong. And I was like, oh. And then it hit me. Like, man, I'm responding like a fool. It doesn't matter if she can get up in front of people and preach. 
doesn't matter if she's way younger than I am. She was pointing out a truth that was observable to anyone in my life. And everyone there saw it. She was the only one who came and told me. And my response was foolish, not wise. See, sometimes we rationalize our way, our behavior, because they don't have any rights to correct me on that. The way they said that was not how I wanted to. Therefore, I'm going to reject the whole thing. A wise person takes all feedback, all correction, all criticism, and wants to learn and grow from it. Sometimes it's hard to receive feedback from a boss, from a coworker, from a spouse, from a child. And sometimes it's really easy to try and rationalize, to push away, but a wise person takes all of it, says thank you, and changes themselves the result of the truth being shown. And a foolish person rejects, pushes away, and shoots the messenger. What is our response? What is your response when the truth comes into your life? The fourth source of truth, excuse me, the fourth source of wisdom that is seen in the book of Proverbs is revelation. Revelation, meaning that wisdom is a gift from God. That revelation comes from God himself. That wisdom is not something that we and ourselves possess, but only can God give to us. Proverbs chapter two, verses six to eight. For the Lord gives wisdom. From his mouth comes knowledge and understanding. He stores up sound wisdom for the upright. He is a shield to those who walk in integrity, guarding the paths of justice and watching over the way of his saints. See, there is a wisdom that comes from God that does not come from the world or your observation of the world that cannot come from you, that only comes from him. That's why in the New Testament, when it says that if any of you lacks wisdom, what should you do? You should ask God. It doesn't say if you lack wisdom, go talk to your friend and ask their opinion or go observe. No, it's saying, no, 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 there there is a wisdom that you desperately need, that I need, that all of us need, that only comes from God himself. See, there there is an amount of wisdom that anyone can have, regardless of your relationship with God, regardless of what you think of scripture, but by going out and putting some of these things into practice, but ultimately that you will be lacking in the wisdom that God wants for you of how to live well in this world. Ultimately, that is something that comes from God himself. And that leads us to our third point of wisdom as it's themed in the book of Proverbs which is this, wisdom is found in right relationship with God. Wisdom, true wisdom, is found in having a right relationship with God. There is a degree that if you, regardless of if if you're not a Christian, if you just take this book of Proverbs and you read it and you start applying it to your life, there is an element in which it will benefit you. Right? There is parenting knowledge, parenting wisdom in here that is applies to all of us. There's marriage wisdom. You can take of what this book says about money, about communication, about work and work ethic, and you can apply these things to your life. There is a degree in which it will help you, but Proverbs as a whole sees wisdom not just as smart living, but as rightly living under God and his rule in the world. Proverbs sees wisdom as right living under God and his rule for the world, not just how to make a buck or how to have a better marriage, but what does it look like to live under God and how he's set up this world to exist. And that, therefore, wisdom is found ultimately in our relationship with God. Proverbs chapter nine says this, the fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. 
And the knowledge of the Holy One is insight. And what many scholars say is kind of the, the theme or the thesis of the entire book of Proverbs. In Proverbs 1.7, it says this, the fear of the Lord is the beginning of knowledge. Fools despise wisdom and instruction. This term fear, the fear of the Lord being the beginning of wisdom is hard to translate into an English word, but fear, it doesn't mean that you're terrified or you're scared of God, but it's this relational word of reverential awe, of respect, but also the fear of the Lord is tied to love and joy. It's a, it's a very uniquely relational word with God. And so you can think that having a right relationship with God, a right understanding of who he is, is the beginning of wisdom. And when we start to see ourselves aligned with God rightly, all these other things flow into practice. It's reflecting on this theme of knowing God and wisdom that, that the book of Proverbs has one of its most famous verses in Proverbs chapter three. Trust in the Lord with all your heart. Do not lean on your own understanding. In all your ways, acknowledge him and he will make straight your paths. As one commentator put it, wisdom trusts God entirely, exclusively, and exhaustively. See, a wise person trusts God entirely. Trust in the Lord with all your heart, with all of it. You, you're, you're entirely trusting in God and his wisdom and his plan for your life. You place all of your trust in God. Wisdom trusts God exclusively. Do not lean on your own understanding. Instead, you're relying on God and what he's revealed, what his word teaches, not on just what you think, but on what God thinks. And a wise person trusts in God exhaustively in all your ways. Acknowledge him. Seeing following God as all-consuming is all of my life, not just as a section of my weekend or a little bit I do in the morning, but following God wisely involves everything that I do. From the moment I wake up to the moment I go to bed, all of my life is about following after God. See, Proverbs demonstrates this wisdom in relationship with God, that this proper relationship, this fear of the Lord, is the foundation of wisdom, and it's why in, when Jesus comes in the New Testament, he is seen as actually wisdom personified. Because if wisdom is right relationship with Jesus, then how do we have that right relationship with Jesus, with God, excuse me, it's through Jesus. Colossians chapter two says this, to reach all the riches, the full assurance of understanding and the knowledge of God's mystery, which is Christ, in whom, in Jesus, are hidden all the treasures of wisdom and knowledge. First Corinthians 1 says this, and because of him, you are in Christ Jesus, who became to us wisdom from God, righteousness and sanctification and redemption. See, wisdom is found in relationship with Jesus, for he is the only way to have a right relationship with God. Wisdom is not just about practical life skills. It can involve that. But biblical wisdom is not just about practical life skills, it's about so much more. Biblical wisdom is about a proper knowing of yourself, God, and the world around you, and then knowing how to live in light of that. And what the Bible teaches is that when we realize ourselves, when we realize who God is, when we realize the world around us, we will recognize our need for wisdom, and we will recognize our need for Jesus. We will see how far we fall short, how we need God, and how Jesus is that way that we can have a right relationship with God. When we look and we crave for wisdom, ultimately wisdom will lead us to see our recognition and our need, every single one of us, for Jesus. 
that on our own, we can't navigate this world. We can't navigate our sin, but only God can. And we need Jesus, the wisdom from God sent us to help us to have this right relationship with God. Let me pray. God, we thank you. We thank you that you have sent Jesus and that he has come to make us right with you. God, in your word says that if any of us needs wisdom, that we should simply ask. God, and I know for every single one of us who's here this morning, we need wisdom in some area of our lives. So in the stillness, the quietness of this moment, would you just cry out to God? Ask him for the wisdom that you need right now, that you need today. Ask him for wisdom in that relationship, for wisdom at work, for wisdom in parenting. Ask him for wisdom in that net decision, those next steps you have to take today and this week. God, our, our hearts acknowledge that we need you. We can't navigate this world apart from you. And so we ask that you would give us wisdom to follow you, to represent you well. God, help us to see how short we fall and that above all, we would aspire to value wisdom because wisdom ultimately shows us our need for you. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Thanks for listening. Continue the conversation with us on social media. Never miss a message and subscribe to our podcast on iTunes.